After some unexpected events which caused a missed interview with Dr. Lei Stowe last month, I'm excited to announce that he is available this upcoming Sunday on Gesundheit with Jacobus. Dr. Stowe has dedicated his entire adult life to find cures for the most debilitating diseases we are exposed to today. His successful research work in both cancer and stem cell therapies is closely followed by his colleagues. Dr. Lei Stowe will, amongst other topics, talk about his use of adult stem cells for diabetes and osteoarthritis this Sunday morning from 7 to 10. To Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus, and I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. It's good to be with you. It's going to be a wonderful day and a great program. A lot of great things are happening today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in today. We're going to learn a lot about our health. We're going to talk to Dr. Larry Stowe and the Stowe Foundation and also the Stowe Clinic, the biotherapy clinic. There is uh, some great research going on working with adult stem cells. And that is, we're going to get a great explanation about what stem cells really are because there are still a lot of controversy in the regular media and amongst the majority of people who are listening to the program. It's not an easy topic. It's not an... A uh, very clear topic, but once you hear Dr. Stowe explain things, I'm sure you'll be totally up to date and you can tell your friends. You can say, whoa, 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 wait a second, this is how it really works. So you're going to learn a ton today, and then Dr. Stowe will touch on any kind of health topic that you would like to discuss. He is going to explain more about the research that he has done with diabetes and osteoporosis. And uh, those are two of the topics, but uh, I want to talk to him a little bit more about Lyme disease. Now, as always, when we talk about health, healing, or healthy lifestyles, we want you to make we want to make sure that you understand we're here to educate, inform, and entertain. We're not here to diagnose, treat, or cure. We always hope that we are tickling your interest in the topic at hand. And always suggest that you see a physician of your choice if in doubt about the topic or that you read more about the topic through the information that is available over the internet, so through some wonderful books and magazines by reputable writers. The information is free. That's what we do for you to listen to and uh, take it for what it is. Hopefully it will inspire you to uh, do more research, inspire you to make a change in your life, inspire you to share with others, inspire you to share with family and friends, those who are close to you, maybe help them also make a difference in their life. But first of all, we hope that it will be a, make, make a difference in your life, in your understanding, in your understanding of what medicine and healthcare is all about and what it actually should be about in this country. Not a healthcare program where we have those who got us in trouble to begin with, let them be the ones who are trying to get us out of this. Uh, with the current program by the Obama administration, 
working with hospitals and doctors and pharmaceutical companies trying to resolve this mess and set up a healthcare program. Uh, there is not an open dialogue with those who have done great research, such as Dr. Stowe, about uh, what would be the best way to overhaul a default system. So uh, we don't want to get too polit- political on this program, but the problem is we have a problem and uh, we are not getting any better, not the way it looks right now. I appreciate you listening in. Let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Larry Stowe. For those of you who have never heard this man talk, there will be shows, there are already several shows available on the website, gwjradio.com, and you can just scroll through the archive shows and listen to Dr. Stowe. Back in 2004, 2004, that is five years, in March 2004, Dr. Stowe was the first one who brought up the whole topic of non-controversial stem cell research, and uh, it was an absolute delight to hear him explain things that were so successful and uh, take away the fear and the controversy that was uh, displayed in the media and that was going around by so many people. So let me tell you more about him. The, Dr. Larry Stowe is the managing director of the Stowe Foundation, and you can go there by going to the Stowe, S-T-O-W-E, foundation.org. It's a 501c3 public charity established in April 2003 and headquartered in Fort Worth, Texas. So this means that it is a charitable organization that anybody can give money to, donate money to, that is tax-deductible. The Stowe Foundation supports adult stem cell research for regenerative medicine and helps to create comprehensive immune therapy protocols based on biological medicines, biological response modifiers, autologous vaccines, and biologically active energy fields. That's quite a mouthful. The work is guided by the Stowe Foundation's signature concept of personalized medicine, which is also called applied biologics. And Dr. Stowe will explain a lot of that, how he can work with the individual at hand. Dr. Stowe is also the president and CEO of Stowe Biotherapy, Inc., which is a center for regenerative medicine in San Diego, California, that provides the technology of the Stowe Foundation in a clinical setting. In 1995, Dr. Stowe was a founding member of Survive Until a Cure, which is a nonprofit medical research foundation that supports the clinical application of immune therapy. So Survive Until a Cure, a nonprofit medical research foundation that supports the clinical application of immune therapy. In recent years, Dr. Stowe has focused his work on the concept of modulating the immune system through biological medicine and human cell therapy to treat cancer, viral infections, and autoimmune disorders. The adult stem cells help to regenerate healthy tissue that has been damaged by the chronic inflammation associated with all, all chronic illnesses. Applied biologics is used to control the chronic inflammation and position the immune system into a healing response. Now, as I mentioned, the website for Dr. Stowe is the stowefoundation.org, and you can contact the Stowe Foundation during the week by calling 817-236-2010. Dr. Stowe, it's absolute honor and pleasure to have you back on the program. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jacobus, and it's a pleasure to be back on with you as well. This has always been one of my favorite uh, uh, radio shows to do because your listeners are so open to 
to the message. And it's always a pleasure to be in that position where people are actually receptive. Yeah, and I also feel that with all the work that you do, to have you on for three hours on a Sunday morning is uh, is always is actually too short. I I told somebody yesterday, said I wish I could have him on once a month, you know, just to tap into his brain and to uh, to get inspired because uh, you definitely inspire people with your. Uh, you have gone. You have had a pretty tough life yourself, uh, surviving cancer. And uh, but you have dedicated your life to helping others, and that means that on a daily basis you work with sick people, and that means that. Uh, but you also work with great researchers, and and it must not be easy to work that all the time to see the to see the damage that has often been done to a body, to a mind, to a spirit, and for you to always dig deep and lift those people up to uh, to think positive and know that there's a way out and, and get them disciplined enough to make the changes in their life. And I think it is, uh, it is absolutely uh, miraculous what you have done and how positive you come out of it and how you always say there is a way out. There is, a, there is an answer in nature. There is an answer, you say, by the Creator. And I think that uh, uh, that positive thinking is uh, is absolutely inspirational for me to listen to and and I know the listeners have given me feedback as well. Well, and it comes from well there's some you know people over the ages have touched upon what generates that type of uh, feelings and emotions within people and and that's when you discover you know your purpose in life. Uh, Rick Warren a few years ago wrote a great book The Purpose Driven Life and uh, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. So it never... Uh, now, I would like the mission to come to an end. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is why we keep working towards what we're doing and keep adding more and more people. But it is, it is truly uh, trying to uh, build a, a movement and to, uh, you know, change. Uh, it, it's all about changing a medical philosophy yeah. and that that's always a difficult task mm. i mean it's um you know people talk about wanting to change the energy policies of the united states well that's not going to happen unless you invest the money into the research and development that can produce a new form of energy mm-hmm. uh, you know mobile oil and exxon aren't going to invest in research that goes into developing a hydrogen economy. Their their philosophy is based on a hydrocarbon uh, technology. That's what they're good at. That's what they do. You cannot expect them to change anytime soon. True. And so our, you know, medical care system is based on a medical philosophy that, you know, it showed a great deal of promise initially, (laughs) but as new realities have set in, you know, has not had an effect on uh, chronic illness. And so we now find ourselves where 68% of the Medicare dollar spent in the United States is spent on patients that have multiple chronic illnesses, and they end up taking, on average, between 12 to 16 control medications. Wow. Well, one of the things that we have learned is that if you're taking more than two medications at a time, we have absolutely no idea what the drug interactions are. I see. So you can only imagine what's happening. So you can talk to any physician in the United States, 
who's in charge of geriatric care, and they will tell you the system is broken. But they don't have any tools. All they have are the tools that they have been provided. So the, the Stowe Foundation mission is really to provide the medical community new tools so that we can work our way out of the situation that we now find ourselves in where cancer is about to overtake heart disease as the number one killer. But drug interactions have become the fourth leading killer. Wow, yes. (laughs) You know, so it's not that, you know, that it's right or wrong. It's right versus wrong. It's just the fact that what we're currently doing is not working very well. And if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results, that is what very famous people have called the height of insanity. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and that is why I just made that comment. uh, What's going on in Washington right now with the president sitting down with the people who got us in trouble to begin with and uh, expect a change? Uh, I don't think that is really going to happen. There is no open dialogue with those who have done great research and have actually come well with often cheaper, al- more alternative methods uh, to uh, to build the immune system and detoxify the body. Uh, you know, I don't think that you have been invited to go to Washington, have you? No, <laughs> I have not. Any any of your colleagues that you who you really respect has have they been invited? Uh, no, only. When it comes time to testifying in court because you have been prosecuted by the FDA. Yes, yes. I, you know, and that's in my history as well. So I'll, yeah. I'll have to take back my prior statement. Yes, I've been invited <laughs> to Washington, D.C. one time. <laughs> well, the, uh, you know, I, I know some of the people that, are, that you are involved with, uh, and I know you also have, you're still, are you still a, uh, an advisor on the board uh, of the Cleveland Clinic? I have a, I, I have continued in, to advise uh, physicians and doctors all across the country. In fact, that's how we have built up the research associates of the Stowe Foundation. Yes. We now have doctors that we work with in a research capacity um, all across the country. In mm-hmm. fact, one of our more prominent research associates is Dr. Jonathan Lakey. Uh, Dr. Lakey is at now at the University of California, Irvine, but he is internationally famous for creating uh, the concept of the Edmonton Protocol, which he developed when he was at the University of Alberta up in Canada, which is uh, the process of harvesting islet cells from donor pancreases yes, and then transplanting those islet cells to a diabetic patient. Now, islet cells are the part of the pancreas that actually produce insulin, Mm. and so you can reestablish the diabetic patient's ability to start producing uh, their own insulin. Now, that's had tremendous uh, breakthroughs in in helping stabilize blood sugar metabolism, but it's still in its infancy of catching on as a process. It's been fully vetted by the FDA. There are hospitals all across the country that are developing teams to do islet cell transplants. Uh-huh. But as Dr. Lakey will say, that's a wonderful stopgap measure. Okay. But that doesn't cure diabetes. I see. Because the pancreas is responsible for far more than just the production of insulin. 
the pancreas produces all of your digestive enzymes. Correctly. The pancreas produces your proteolytic enzymes that help your body properly metabolize proteins. It produces the lipolytic enzymes that help you properly uh, process uh, fats and and the amylase programs that proteins and enzymes that help you process sugars. Yes. And so the pancreas uh, is is totally uh, involved in the body's uh, metabolism, and so that's why. Uh, modern medicine actually refers to uh, type 2 diabetes, no longer as type 2 diabetes. They refer to it as metabolic syndrome. Okay. And we also have recruited at the level of the Stowe Foundation a Dr. George Sheely, who is one of America's foremost authorities on metabolic syndrome. How was that spelled, Sheely? Sheely. Oh, Sheely. Yeah, S. C-H-E-E-L-E, Dr. George Sheely. Okay. And people can, can go to the Internet, and you can Google Dr. Jonathan Lakey, and you can Google Dr. George Sheely. Um, and these folks have joined the Stowe Foundation as research associates mm -hmm. because they want to learn about comprehensive immune therapy because one of the things Dr. Lakey learned is when you transplant healthy islet cells into a body that's still diseased, Yes. the effect, the restoration of the ability to produce insulin is temporary. And he wants to make it permanent. So he has come to join the Stowe Foundation because he wants to use all of the technology that we've created for applied biologics yeah. to reverse the diabetic process. I see. To, to, to slow it down and then reverse it. Slow it down, then reverse it, and then you can transplant adult stem cells and umbilical cord stem cells directly into the pancreas and restore pancreatic function in its entirety. Aha. Uh -huh. So that all the enzymes are, are affected. Correct. Everything comes back. You know, there's some very famous people out there right now that are uh, suffering the devastating effects of pancreatic cancer, even though it's felt that they no longer have pancreatic cancer. Huh. Well, how do you mean by, what do you mean by that? Well, there's several people when they develop uh, pancreatic cancer that there's a procedure called the Whipple procedure. Whipple? It's a surgical procedure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called Whipple. Uh-huh. And the Whipple procedure allows a trained surgeon to go in and to remove the pancreatic cancer. Now, in doing so, they also remove a part of the pancreas. Okay. They can come out with many, many people that survive pancreatic cancer through the Whipple procedure, and, and, but, but that's only about 5% of the people that uh, have pancreatic cancer can use the Whipple procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the other 95% of the people, uh, you know, in the world, there is no treatment. And, but if you manage to fall in that category, you oftentimes come out of the Whipple procedure with very, very advanced uh, diabetes. Okay. And if you went in to the Whipple procedure already being diabetic, you now have tremendous problems. 
and you move into what's known as the wasting syndrome. Okay. And you pass away anyway. So even in the effects of something like pancreatic cancer, you need adult stem cells and you need the umbilical cord stem cells to come back in and start to restore pancreatic function because without the pancreas it doesn't do any without a fully functional pancreas you can even in something like cancer you can get rid of the cancer but you still have not saved the patient now i know that all organs are important but it seems that you are really looking at pancreas even more important uh, in this case than liver i'm not putting the liver down but it seems to me that the way you say this, the pancreas is extremely important because of the first digestion that happens. Correct. The liver is the second part of the digestion, if I can call it that way. Yeah, liver is important for getting rid of metabolic waste material and getting rid of toxins. It's the main organ of detoxification of the human body. Yes. But the body cannot survive without pancreatic function mm. because... Metabolic waste is just that, waste material created by metabolism. But if you don't have a metabolism, you die. Right. So when people have pancreatic cancer, that doesn't mean that they have per se or just an insulin problem. They could have a problem with some of the other enzymes that are involved in metabolism. All right. You're going to have a fat metabolism problem. You're going to have a protein metabolism problem. You are going to have a sugar metabolism problem. The only role that insulin plays is to get blood glucose from the bloodstream into the cells. I see. How that sugar gets processed once it's in the cells, the biggest chemistry in the body is what you call glycoprotein chemistry. Okay. That's the combination of blood sugars with proteins, amino acids. Well, if you're not breaking your proteins down into the right sequences of amino acids and you're not breaking your... your uh, complex sugars, your polysaccharides, into the simple blood sugars that the body can use. See, only the simple molecules can absorb into the cells where they're recombined and reprocessed into the chemicals that the body needs. Okay. Well, I, so, want you, I would like you to explain more about it, Dr. Stowe. we got to go for a short break here. We uh, we so much appreciate you with us today, and we know there's a ton of information where this came from. We're going to be right back. You are mentioning, uh, you mentioned that uh, before the program, there is some great news for you. Hopefully, everything is working out uh, for funding for finishing up the, the San Diego Clinic. Is there something you can tell us about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, sometime next week, the Stowe Foundation should be receiving a major uh, donation that will allow us to uh, turn the San Diego Clinic which is currently focused on being a comprehensive immune therapy uh, clinic, yeah. and we will be able to convert that into a full-service center for regenerative medicine, hmm. where we'll be able to do adult stem cell transplants to be able to repair the cartilage or tendons or ligaments or bone fractures. So anything related to uh, orthopedic applications, we will be able to uh, treat in San Diego. 
And that is great news because that means we'll be able to provide a therapy for osteoarthritis. Wow. Osteoarthritis is the major reason people get knee replacement. Uh, Yes. Surgery, it's the major reason they get their hips replaced. But even more importantly, osteoarthritis is the reason people have chronic back and neck pain. I see. And we will be having a a therapy for that. Osteoarthritis is as a big a detriment to the U.S. economy as diabetes is because it takes people out of the workforce and it decreases their lifestyle. Yes. And, um, you know, we have, we are now going to be able to put in a full service center for regenerative medicine and we'll also be able to uh, install some breakthrough technology that we've had in the ability to treat the complications of diabetes. And so we'll be able to help people with cardiomyopathy, uh, that being chronic heart failure um, due to the complications of diabetes. We'll be able to help people with their neuropathy. We'll be able to help people with their nephropathy, which is um, the breakdown of the kidneys. Uh, their retinopathy, which is, so all of these opathies are complications of diabetes. We'll be able to start helping people work their way through the complications of diabetes as we march towards trying to come up with a cure for diabetes. And uh, Dr. Lakey and his team, Dr. Lakey and Dr. Sheely, will be the head of those clinical investigations. Uh, that'll be going on into um, the ability to reverse the complications of diabetes. Mm. And then we'll work our way towards the next step. It's interesting how uh, you do the right thing, how uh, at some point in your life you are magnetizing those of like mind. And you wonder sometimes, how come our path have not crossed before? But uh, it must be exciting for you to to get in contact with these uh, specialists and their passion that they that they show in order to help uh, you know uh, everybody with uh, with their great research. It, I'm an engineer at heart, and but I don't have a MD degree, so I see the body from a different perspective. Uh-huh. Uh, my uh, doctorate degree, and it's a dual PhD, is in chemical engineering and biomolecular engineering. Yes. So uh, I look at the body from an entirely different standpoint. Uh, you know, the, the biochemical reactions that happen in the body have to have the right energy field. That's straightforward thermodynamics, which you learn as an engineer. MDs never study thermodynamics. I see. You know, you could give a thermodynamic quiz to an MD and he would get an F. Mm. You know, yes. that's just the way it is. Uh, you don't get a graduate degree in engineering without having expertise in the field of thermodynamics, which is energy fields. Yes, yes. So, so the body is filled with biologically active energy fields. Mm-hmm. And you can use energy spectrums like uh, laser lights, cold lasers, uh, to influence those energy fields. You can use heat and cold to influence those energy fields. You can use microcurrent technology 
to influence those energy fields. You can use magnetic fields to influence the biologically active energy fields in the body. It's a matter then of engineering a device that applies the appropriate field. Yes. But before you can do that, you have to know what is the appropriate field that you're looking for. Hmm. And so, but you have to have a belief that there are such things as biologically active energy fields. Well, we know that's turning out to be the case because there are very now accurate techniques for measuring those energy fields. I see. And so now we can not only create the device that can change the energy field, but we can also monitor the changes that we're providing to the body, and we can see which way we're moving it. Uh, Some of these devices are like thermography. Thermography has become very advanced. That's the use of infrared scans to detect very small temperature changes on the skin. Well, inflammation causes heat in the body. Mm -hmm. That will cause the skin temperature to rise ever so slightly. I see. So you can now pick out using thermography areas where there is constant and chronic inflammation going on in the body. And, but sometimes you also can learn a lot by detecting areas of the body where the body temperature isn't quite high enough. Because if the body temperature isn't high enough in your thyroid, you're going to have thyroid problems. Okay, that's true. Because the enzymes that produce the hormones that come from the thyroid that control your base metabolic rate, which control your body temperature, mm-hmm. are not going to be operating sufficiently. And so therefore, thyroid problems show up as low body temperature. I see. Uh So a biologically active energy field can be either low or it can be high. If it's high, we call it a fever. A fever is what the immune system uses to launch a cytokine cascade, which helps direct and focus the attack of the immune system. Mm -hmm. So Biologically active energy fields are tremendously important to the human body. They are just as important as the biochemistry. Modern medicine has chosen to focus on the biochemistry, totally ignoring the biologically active energy fields. That means you've only got half of the equation. I see, wow. Which is why we've gotten into the concept of control medications. Rather than trying to reverse what's causing you to have high blood pressure, we chose to synthetically lower your blood pressure. Hmm. Not thinking about the fact that those medications might have an adverse effect on, for example, your liver. I see. Which is why pharmaceutical drugs predominantly always come with a warning that you better measure your liver enzymes every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You know, even the concept of lowering cholesterol means you have to check your liver. <laughs> yes. So, well, and know, that's, that's pretty obvious. That's, we see, we've seen the we've seen the results of the statin drugs uh, for sure. Uh, how effective they of how they affect the liver, I should say. Correct. Uh, it's a big it's a big issue. Well, that is such a great explanation uh, to how you say it that uh, medical doctors are trained to look at the body. Uh, look at the biochemistry of the body where you are working more with the biologically active energy fields. 
that doesn't make it though i mean many uh, when you are a scientist uh, there is this stigma that anything that sounds like energy in the body when people say i feel i feel uh, a certain energy i feel an aura i feel right. an energy field uh, m most scientists say well pff, that's way out on left field because we cannot prove this scientifically uh, obviously there is equipment now available where you can do that you understand what i'm saying i know scientists who say well this doesn't exist because we haven't proven it yet when somebody says i i can i want to do muscle testing for example or i want to uh, be a, somebody being a medical intuitive uh, things of that nature uh, they are considered uh, quacks but you say well there is equipment that, that can actually detect the changes in somebody's energy in the body correct oh yes many many tools what you have to learn is how to appropriately apply the tools and the information uh, that's being provided but then you have to come up with appropriate techniques for changing the biologically active energy field mm. and that's where the stove foundation comes into to play so we actually support the research and development that's going into uh, making cold lasers that can have a therapeutic benefit. Here's the difficulty that you run into with the medical device companies. They want their specific medical device to be the answer. So you have people studying magnetic therapy that want that to be the answer, for example, uh, for MS. They want to change the energy field surrounding the myelin sheath so that it can regrow. Mm -hmm. And they get some partial success, but they always get attacked because they're not the answer. Well, the reality is they're not. If you're not providing the proper nutrition to the body, there's no way to rebuild the myelin sheath because you have to have the base raw ingredients. See, the immune system is not only responsible for fighting off a disease, but it's also responsible for repairing the body. And so when we, our simple, uh, when Dr. Sheely joins the Stowe Foundation because he wants to learn more techniques for treating the metabolic syndrome, yes, what he's really treating is what the Stowe Foundation calls the Pitts Syndrome. Right. You know, the P-I-T-T-S. People uh -huh. have heard me talk about that before, but... P stands for poor nutrition, the I stands for infections, first T stands for toxins, mm -hmm. second T stands for trauma, both physical and emotional trauma, and the S stands for stress. Yes. Well, we've got medical experts in each one of the letters of the Pitt Syndrome, high-quality people. They're simply not talking to each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing at the level of the Stowe Foundation is because as an engineer, we do system analysis. Each one of these people has valuable information to provide, but it has to be integrated into a comprehensive protocol. And then you have to prove that that comprehensive protocol has a therapeutic benefit. Mm -hmm. And that's the stage that we have long last reached after 20 years of hard work. Yes. All of this started back in 1988, 1989. That's when you started with your clinic in Fort Worth.
that's when I started with my clinic in Fort Worth. It started 20 years ago. Yes. But what I need to tell people is the, the, the physicians out of Australia and New Zealand that uh, about two or three years ago got a Nobel Prize in medicine for their discovery that the H. pylori bacteria caused duodenal ulcers. Okay. It wasn't stomach acid. It wasn't stress that caused ulcers. It was a bacterial infection. Yes. They discovered that 30 years ago. When they first discovered it, they too were called quacks. Mm-hmm. They had to prove their point by inoculating themselves with the bacteria and then curing it with an antibiotic. I see. So there's a great book out there now called Those Who Would Be First. And that book is all about doctors who had to treat, induce the disease that they were trying to treat in themselves, cure themselves of it so they could prove it to the public. I see. Wow. You know, so... Well, Dr. Hahnemann, uh, when he came out with homeopathy, did that 200 years ago. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the, the Stowe Foundation isn't, doing any, isn't going through a, anything new in life. We're just trying to persevere. <laughs> yes, yes. Because... You know, what we do is, you know, we, we, we have a fundamental understanding that we believe in. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're going to do is keep after it and keep after it and keep after it until we can demonstrate that we are correct. And so, uh, and, and we're doing that one medical device at a time. All of the medical devices that we now use have some indicated use and have have some qualification under the standards of the FDA. Yes. Uh, you know, for example, for pain control. Microcurrent technology started with the development of the TENS unit mm-hmm. way back 20 years ago for controlling chronic back pain. It was considered a medical breakthrough at the time it came out. But now we've improved our understanding of what electrical, small amperage electrical fields and the effect that it can have on the body, we can now move that base technology into a new era of understanding and actually use that to influence biological function in the body, okay. not just control pain. Uh-huh. And so controlling pain was affecting the energy level of the nerves. Well, if you want to control the healing response of the body, you can use microcurrent to induce sea uh, fibers that run up and down your body. Okay. They're part of the connective tissue. Yeah. What we've learned now is that sea fibers actually release neuropeptides that help control the inflammatory response of the immune system. So when your tendons in your knee get damaged, the sea fibers in that area start to release the neuropeptides. You can stimulate that release with microcurrent technology. Hmm. Then you can speed the repair up by influencing cellular metabolism with cold lasers. So the combination of microcurrent technology and cold lasers is part of our treatment program for osteoarthritis. Because we want to affect the energy fields that are surrounding the cartilage. We want to get rid of the underlying infection which is the primary responsibility of 
triggering the immune response and the destruction of the cartilage. The destruction of your cartilage in your knee comes from an infection, and it's a mycoplasma of pneumonia infection. Really? Oh, yes. (laughs) And this was confirmed by St. George Hospital over in uh, London, England. All sorts of fascinating research out there that even arthritis, both rheumatoid and osteoarthritis, are infectious diseases. I'll be darned. And you've got to start taking that into account because if you don't get rid of the underlying infection, you can transplant adult stem cells to the cartilage, regrow new cartilage, but the infection will soon take over the new cartilage that you just grew and the effect will be temporary. Hmm. And this is what uh, Genzyme, the 800-pound gorilla in human cell therapy, learned. They created a product called Cardicel. Cardicel is uh, chondrocytes. Chondrocytes are the immediate precursor. It's a form of human cell therapy. Chondrocytes are the immediate precursor to the body's ability to develop cartilage. Okay. So Genzyme uh, created a process in which they could go into healthy cartilage of a patient, use a process in the laboratory to harvest from the healthy cartilage the chondrocytes, grow the chondrocytes to a very large number in the lab. Remember, they came from the patient. Then they could combine the chondrocytes with some growth factors, another form of human cell therapy, layer that into the damaged cartilage, and repair the cartilage. Wow. And that's FDA approved. You know, and and that is sadly enough, but it's not widespread yet by most medical doctors. They're probably not reading all the literature. That's correct. Yes. Jeez. That is correct. So the, the, the concept of can human cell therapy, but what the FDA ultimately in post-marketing studies determined, that Cardicel cannot be used as a treatment for osteoarthritis because they now say they have to put it on their label that osteoarthritis is a contraindicated use of Cardicel because the effects would just be temporary. Hmm. because they do not have a, a, a method for controlling the chronic inflammation associated with osteoarthritis. So the effects of Cardicel when used in an osteoarthritis patient are temporary, even though they've proven the ability to regrow new cartilage, yes. which, by the way, is the biggest fallacy of all stem cell therapy. The fallacy. The fallacy of stem cell therapy is that it's going to cure a disease. So when you hear people saying that we need to do stem cell research because it eventually will cure Parkinson's or it will reverse stroke or it will cure hepatitis C or it will cure cancer or it will cure uh, osteoarthritis or it will cure diabetes, Jacobus, all of that is scientific nonsense. Wow. The the only thing a stem cell can do is regrow new tissue. Wow, we we have to run. We keep that thought. We like to get your explanation when we come back. We have a caller for Dr. Stowe. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us this morning. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Well, this is the fella that's all ears. Oh, yeah, thank been, you very much, Daniel. Good morning to you. Good, good. I've been waiting so long. I've uh, built up 
pile of questions around me, but I can uh, sum it up in three questions. What do you think of this so-called black salve for skin cancer? And then two, I've been hearing about this Livingston Clinic that seems to come from uh, that San Diego area. So we all stand on the shoulders of giants. They were developing some sort of cancer vaccine for injecting into cattle and chickens, but then they were shut down by the government some years ago. And three, there is this fellow that said, oh, they have a cancer cure in beta-glucane. Beta-glucan? Glucan, Beta-glucan, okay. He he said it had something to do with there's a black fungus that's supposed to take over from the white fungus that's infecting the cancerous growth. Do you have any clarity on that? Is it something like probiotics are put into our stomachs to drive out the uh, bad bacteria? Well, what I can do is address each one of your questions uh, in, in order. Yes. And that will lead to a kind of a comprehensive answer. Uh, uh, in regards to uh, cancer. Okay. okay. Cancer is really my my specialty. I cut my teeth on helping cancer uh, patients, mainly because I'm a cancer survivor myself. I had osteosarcoma when I was six years old, and my parents were told that if I lived to be 10, it would be an absolute miracle. Wow. Now, it takes a while to tell my entire story, but... Let me just tell you that comprehensive immune therapy was applied accidentally in my case, and that's what purged the cancer process uh, from my from my body. And so, uh, in regards to uh, let, let me back up the the first question that you had uh, black salve black salve. There is a great website that you can go to called CancerX, CancerX.org, and it will teach you all about black salve, Mm -hmm. which is actually a formulation of blood root. Correct. Uh, We use it on all skin cancers that come into our clinic. Good for you. And now, that particular... Uh, website is also going to recommend an internal version of Bloodroot, which is under investigation right now. I let their organization handle all your questions about that. At our clinic, when it comes to treating internal cancers, we use the cytotoxic properties of pawpaw. Uh, <laughs> not not graviola, which is a cousin to pawpaw, yeah. but actual pawpaw. And so you can also research pawpaw on the Internet. Now, in each of those cases, though, that's just one part of what we call adjunctive immune therapy. So we try to also then use things um, like transfer factors. Mm-hmm to raise the activity of the natural killer cells and to raise the activity of the T cells of the immune system to also go in there and begin the immune system's assault onto the cancer cells. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can tell you if you have skin cancer, you definitely want to go as fast as possible to cancerx.org. Now, they, 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 they've created a whole new website, but uh, cancerx.org will still get you there. And uh, 
if I myself had <laughs> skin cancer, I would be getting my products from this, this organization. We use their products in our clinic. As I, part of our adjunctive immune therapy. so I think I, that, uh, Dr. Stowe, to jump in, uh, I think one reason why Daniel may be asking it, uh, there is actually in Livingston, uh, just outside of Bozeman, there is a uh, gentleman, uh, Toby McAdam, who has uh, McAdam Health, and he is making Black Salve, and very successfully, and about a month, month and a half ago, the FDA was there, two agents came in, and uh, checked them out, and they were also there. Two gentlemen were there about a year and a half ago, and they they wanted to check his facilities and how he was working and what he was doing. And as a matter of fact, they were very impressed with what he was making, and they are not shutting him down. They think that he was very cooperative with them. He gave them everything they needed. Uh, I know several people in this area that have used his black salve, Indian mud, uh, Based on the different uh, amounts of uh, graviola, blood root, uh, zinc chloride that he puts in. He even uses DMSO. He uses neem sure. oil and uh, very, very successful. So uh, it would be wonderful. Toby McAdam is actually going to be on my radio show in July talking more about black salve, but he is also using blood root capsules and other forms for specific cancers. He has making packets for people. Uh, it is, uh, I think it will be phenomenal for you even to meet him as well. Oh, I want to do that. Give him my phone number. <laughs> I, will, I will give him your phone number. And uh, it's funny that I was at his office last week, Friday, not, not a couple days ago, but a week earlier, and he was telling me how he had just ordered 50 pounds of uh, pawpaw, and that he said, that is, you got to find out more about Paul Paul Jacobus because this is a great, great fighter of cancer. And so oh, yes, it is. you mention it. So it's, uh, we're all on the same wavelength here. Yeah. And if he's in the process of, of, uh, formulating, those are all things that I would recommend to people. Yes. And, uh, the Stowe Foundation would be happy to start including that type of formula into our adjunctive immune therapy programs. So I will, I will get him in touch with you. See how powerful your radio show is, Jacobus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just brought people. people together. That's right. So, Daniel, so, so I, I can give you a very definitive answer to number one. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, number two, Livingston uh, Clinic uh, was always of the firm belief that uh, there was an underlying cancer virus. And that's proving itself out as well, although... is By the way, is this Livingston, Montana? Is this Dr. Virginia Livingston Wheeler? The Livingston Virginia Livingston Wheeler is who I'm talking about. Okay, good. All right. Because she was the one in Southern California. Is that your question as well, Daniel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mentioned good. San Diego, so I, okay. yeah, I was indicating the right. Livingston uh, Clinic, yeah. Uh, we are finding the same thing, but different viruses cause different cancers. Uh, Virginia's primary hypothesis that there was one virus. That didn't try, turn out to be the entire truth. It was the start of discovering the truth. And now you have major pharmaceutical companies providing vaccines to get rid of the human papillomavirus so that women don't develop cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. So she was correct. She was 100% correct. Mm -hmm. And she was also closed down to the government? Yes. Oh. As we all have been over the, over the last 20 years, I myself was shut down by the government at one time. I resurrected all of that work as survive until a cure. I see. Uh -huh. Because they told us we couldn't make medical claims. 
And so my aspect became, okay, if I can't make a medical claim, which I understand. I mean, we have certain rules and regulations in this country that are designed to make sure that commerce is properly uh, you know, regulated. Um, however, I can teach people how to survive, and that's what we do now. The, 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 all of the medical research that has gone into this has been to teach people how to survive cancer, not how to cure cancer, but how to survive. We can teach people how to survive uh, AIDS, which stands for Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. We can show them how to restore their immune system even in the presence of the HIV virus. You can't say that you've cured AIDS, but you can sure tell people how they can survive. And this is what the reason that the, the FDA no longer has problems with people like you just mentioned uh-huh. is because the FDA back in 1998, 10 years ago, uh, was under congressional mandate to create, in coordination with the National Institute of Health, the Center for Biological Evaluation and Research. Before 1998, the only thing the FDA had was the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research. And there are certain policies and protocols and procedures that you go through to get a drug classified as having a therapeutic benefit. There are different procedures now available under the Center for Biological Evaluation and Research. And what the Stowe Foundation has been doing is helping the FDA and the National Institute of Health establish an understanding of biological medicine. So a number of the research associates sit on the uh, CBERS committees, and they help the FDA understand human cell therapy. They help the FDA understand biologically active energy field. They help the FDA understand biological medicine. They help the FDA understand the impact of herbs. It's just that it's taken 10 years to get it adequately staffed and educated. Yes. We are at a tipping point in the ability to do the things that the Stowe Foundation has been developing for the last 20 years. Now what we need is the economic support to do the large outcome-based clinical studies that will prove the therapeutic benefit. That's the next step. That's also probably the more expensive step. <laughs> yes. Because you literally have to get to the point where you first start off by treating 30 to 50 people in a very controlled protocol that can be monitored for safety and efficacy. Right. Then after you do 30 people, you go do 300 people at two or three institutions separate from your own. Once you've done 300 people, then you need to do something like 3,000 people, and you have to recruit 10 institutions, you know, that each treat 300. That's when you're through the full regulatory approval process. That's an enormously expensive step. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the money to do that. We do, however, have the technology to do that. Hmm. Everything that we do has been vetted by the certain aspects of the FDA regulatory approval process. 
now we have to take the next step. See, we're through the large animal studies. We're through the preclinical human studies. We're now ready to move into the large outcome-based studies that prove the therapeutic benefit. Once you've established the therapeutic benefit, then you begin to compare yourself to the other standards of care, and you begin to establish the medical necessity. Once you've established the medical necessity, then you can say you've established a new standard of care. That's when you get Medicare coverage. That's when you get insurance coverage. But we're hundreds of million dollars away from that. All right. Well, maybe we better get to my third question. Are going to be swept out of here by the uh, the break? Uh, by Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Your your third question was the. Um, the third question was about the beta glucan. The beta. Yeah, okay. and there's supposed to be a black fungus to take over from the white fungus. Uh, I, I'm not sure what what he told me, but I'm trying to get, uh, focus on that. Well, beta one three glucan. Uh, is a biological response modifier. That means it can help the body recognize an underlying abnormal fungal presence. And so it helps direct the attack um, onto the underlying fungal infections. Yeast infections, for example, are a form of fungal infections. But there are a lot of funguses. There's a lot of spores that you accumulate in life and and whereas the the fungal infection itself is is not that detrimental to the body your body lives in a symbiotic relationship with a lot of different things but it's the metabolic waste material that the fungus produces that becomes dangerous to the human body those are called uh, endotoxins self-generated toxins and so you got to get rid of the underlying funguses so that, but but certain funguses produce things in your body that are beneficial to your body. Mm. So you, just like there are good bacteria and bad bacteria, and that's your question about probiotics. Yeah, probiotics deal with uh, the bacteria. Uh, enzymes are predominantly responsible for dealing with uh, funguses and things of that nature. But isn't it so that when the uh, when people have been on antibiotics, that uh, by killing so many good bacteria in the intestines, that the fungus who lives there as well as part of the immune system, that all of a sudden it has a lot of elbow room and grows very rapidly and can Correct. cause divide. So, uh, it, but you want to take the you want to take probiotics to uh, to fight some of these uh, some of these uh, fungi, right? I mean, the, the overgrowth of fungi. No, what you want to do is fight the overgrowth of the fungi. Yes. So that the probiotics have space that they can then occupy, and then you need to nourish the probiotics so that they will grow a large colony. Okay. That large colony of of beneficial bacteria will keep the fungus from overgrowing. But once it once the fungus infection has overgrown the intestinal tract, you have to attack the fungus. to beat it back so the beneficial bacteria have a place to grow. See, that's the missing link in attacking fungal infections. We've really got to increase what we have available to us to get rid of the abnormal fungus. 
And there's nothing better in the world than there's certain enzymatic therapies that are coming out that uh, are very good. Right. Those have to be followed up with the probiotics. But, but, but people make a mistake thinking that just probiotics are going to take care of the fungal infection. They won't. Wow, that's uh, that's good stuff. We can talk about it more. Daniel, thanks so much for the All call. Right, we got to run. You. Good call. So, folks, stay tuned, please. We'll be right back. Caller, good morning to you. Uh, thanks for joining us. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Um, my primary question was answered. Um, why I called was already answered. Whether or not there's research being done as to whether or not cancer is a virus kind of like you know how people assume right that uh like certain cancers are hereditary like breast cancer or uterine cancer could it like possibly be that in birth or whatever it lays dormant like herpes zoster or, or hiv you can get and it lays dormant and then at some point it um it comes out comes out yes and um because when I was a young nurse, I used to think that, and I used to pretend I was getting immunities when I was taking care of people who had cancer. Yeah. And um, also, w- would that go along, you know how um, if you come down with certain kinds of cancer when you're young, as opposed to when you're older, it's uh, much more aggressive, would that fit in with cancer being a virus where, because uh, it, uh, viruses could will be more aggressive in your body? younger than older like cancer so you want to know if it is kind of a genetic uh, thing uh, or and if it is not uh, genetic but viral well viral, and, and but it's actually pa- how it like runs through families it seems like mm-hmm. wildfire too dr stowe what was what's your answer about that there is uh two things that uh, we we know about cancer uh and that is if the environmental toxins are strong enough, they can induce the cancer process as well, and we'll, we'll call them, you know, carcinogens. My, my personal belief is that most cancers are triggered by some type of virus. Now, you also have to then have uh, something that is suppressing um, your immune system because your immune system also has an innate ability to destroy cancer cells. Mm-hmm. So I believe cancer cells are created in the human body uh, nearly every day. Right. And But your immune system patrols the body, and when it sees it, it uh, destroys it. Mm-hmm. But what can happen is you can have high periods of stress, for example, in which your immune system is suppressed. The, the immune system doesn't mountain adequate response yes <clears throat> and hence the tumor mass or the cancer cells the colony of cancer cells are able to establish a a base in mm-hmm. the body mm-hmm. and then they become a living um, mass all by themselves at that point in time it's too late to address just the viral part because now you've established the cancer process, the cells have mutated, the cells themselves have become their own living microorganism. Now you have to do something to attack the cancer cells that have established themselves. 
that is the, the best time in the world to administer what we call an autologous cancer vaccine. And that's where you get samples of the cancer cells or uh, antigens that are circulating in the blood and get dumped into the urine that represent the cell membrane wall of the cancer cell. Okay. But you, you come up with a vaccine that can target the immune system onto the cancer cells because that step is now missing in the person. Uh, and a lot of times, that's what uh, uh, cancer vaccines do. They simply are targeting the immune system onto the cancer cell. Now, if you have a weakened immune system because of the accumulation of environmental toxins and the primary effect on the human body of environmental toxins is to increase the level of free radicals inside the body. Right. Free radicals are normally handled by your antioxidants mm -hmm. in the body. Mm -hmm. But if you accumulate enough toxins, the toxins overwhelm your antioxidant cascade. And so you have to detoxify the body to lower the production of free radicals so that you can restore immune function okay. to its proper levels. You see, the body cannot heal in the presence of chronic inflammation. So you have to get rid of the chronic inflammation. And the most effective way to get rid of chronic inflammation is to detoxify the body. Mm. But this is one of the biggest problems with chemotherapy. It's not that the chemotherapy drugs don't attack the cancer cells. They do. But chemotherapeutic drugs are also toxic to the human body, to healthy cells, because they increase the presence of free radicals. So detoxification is actually critical even after chemotherapy if you're going to restore the body's ability to heal itself. Okay. Most people suffer from chemotherapy from the side effects and the after effects. Yes. So even though they may, it may have killed a lot of cancer, the body is still so toxic that it can't heal. And cancer is a process that you have to heal from. You know, and I, so yeah. this is, um, so yes, viruses play a role in cancer, but once you have cancer, you have to get total handle on the cancer process, which means detoxifying the body, uh, getting rid of the underlying uh, pathogens, improving your nutritional status so that the body has the right raw ingredients so it can heal, mm -hmm. getting rid of the stress factors in your life because that's what lowers your immune response, uh, dealing with the emotional traumas. We have found with the vast majority of our cancer patients that you can trace their history and two years before they were diagnosed with cancer, then they had some type of severe emotional trauma in their life that so lowered their immune system that the cancer then exploded. Before that, the cancer was being held in check by their immune system. And so cancer takes off. Um, and, you know, once, and if it, and cancer can be broken down into aggressive forms of cancer and sort of slow-growing cancers. Yes. The, uh, 
in fact, there's a lot of studies now that have been done and the results published that early detection of cancer is not having any effect whatsoever on whether people survive or not. Because what's really happening is if you detect a cancer that's slow growing, it's not going to have much effect on your body anyway. And there aren't too many, and any therapy will work. Why is that? Because you're able, you mean any therapy will work or none of the therapies will work? Uh, all the therapies work. Because like it's it, so slow growing. It's so slow growing. So surgery is your best option in that. Just get rid of it with a surgical procedure, which is where therapy always starts. And so surgery is accomplishing 95% of the job. And then they give you chemotherapy as a palliative treatment to try to get rid of whatever might be around. But here's what really happens. Most people, once they're diagnosed with cancer, start to make all of the lifestyle changes. <laughs> yes. And so the surgery gets rid of the cancer. The lifestyle changes get rid of the cancer process. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And so if it's a slow-growing cancer that's not going to have much effect on the body, you have time to adjust your lifestyle and improve your immune system and get it back under control. Mm -hmm. The surgery removes the bulk of the cancer so the immune system doesn't have so much cancer to fight. Okay. And so uh, that's why I say if it happens to be a slow-growing cancer, all of the conventional therapies are going to work. And, uh, and if you detect it early enough, before it has metastasized, that's the best time, you know, to, to get rid of it. Yes. But um, you can detect a slow-growing cancer at just about any stage, whether it's early or not. I mean, early Because we detection, all have it. We all yeah. have them. Yes. I mean, early detection is just, it may have been there for 15 years. Yes. You think you detected it early. <laughs> yes. When in, when in fact... You haven't. All you've done is detected it. Well, the and the, 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 the not a big problem that we have, and we have a couple of callers waiting, but one of the issues that we have is the, the, the devastating news that the doctor will tell you, you have cancer, and number two, you only have about five or six months to live. Correct. I mean, that becomes that, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Unbelievable. And, and to me, uh, in a way, people want honesty, but um, what that does to the psyche is uh, unbelievable and i think a lot of people have died excel have died quicker because it's almost like in their mind and says well i'm not going to survive so what am i going to do about it right and um if you detect an aggressive cancer yes it doesn't matter whether you got it early or late there aren't any therapies i see well so, unless you come to you yeah and so a lot of emphasis has been on you know early detection And that has led to a statistical improvement. In, and so it's kind of deceptive because we think there's been an improvement in the therapy because more people are surviving. Those people with a slow-growing cancer would have survived a long time anyway. Yes. <laughs> But if you have an aggressive cancer, We need to put the focus on coming up with better therapies. Yes. And and so we've gotten very good at detecting cancer, but not very good at treating cancer. Great point. But Th because we detected earlier, the five-year survival rates have gone up because you don't know you're surviving cancer until it's detected. 
That's true. That's true. So five-year and ten-year survival rates have been going up because we're detecting it earlier, but that doesn't mean we're any better at treating cancer. It just means we're better at detecting cancer. That is right. That's a great point. And I uh, I went to a lecture in town uh, with a physician who actually explained as how this works. And we can talk about it a little bit later, but we have a couple callers on hold. One person has been on for about 10, 15 minutes. Caller, are you still with us? I certainly am, Jacobus. This Hello. is Jana. Hello, Jana. Good morning. Thanks for holding on. I am loving your show. I appreciate it. Do you have a piece of paper and a writing instrument? Because I have four things I'd like Dr. Stowe to address. All right. First one is SEAC T. SEAC, okay. Second one is colloidal silver. Silver, okay. Next one is Bob Beck's silver pulser and Bob Beck's magnetic pulser. Silver pulser. What is? How do you spell that? Pulser. Silver pulser. P U L S E R. It also makes colloidal silver. It also is supposed to cleanse the blood. Mm-hmm. It does two functions. Okay. And the last one he makes is the magnetic pulser, okay. which is supposed to go in and clear the lymph system. Okay. So, Doctor Stowe, are all these things? Uh, do you know of all of these things? Oh yes. Oh yeah, good. We- well, then I'll get off and let you talk, because th- these are the ones I wanted to have some info on. All right. Okay. Thank you, Jana. Thanks, Jacobus. You betcha. Bye-bye. Well, ASEAC-T. Oh, ASEAC-T is a, a, a great uh, immune support product. Yes. And there have been people that have gotten tremendous effects from ASEAC-T, and it's a... Uh, a biological response modifier, mm-hmm. and and so it does become part of you know we we recommend versions of that uh, you know type of uh, activity. Biological response modifiers are a big part of comprehensive immune therapy. I never recommend people though depend solely on that okay. if they can afford to do combinations of therapy. So it's, it's kind of like sometimes people's ability to finance their care determines what therapies they have to choose from. That's a good point. I do, that, know, I do know people who like uh, who take ASEACT on a regular basis, a daily basis, because they really feel more energy, uh, even though they're not sick, uh, but they just do it as a, pre- as a preventative. Correct. That's because it's uh, loaded with uh, phytonutrients, that help neutralize free radical pathology. Okay. So once you can get a handle on free radical pathology, uh, you'll feel better, mm-hmm. and your immune system will work better. And so that's why sometimes with certain people, you know, that's enough, uh, you know, to get the job done. Yes. But with a lot of people, it's one part, it's one step. So. Mm-hmm. We, we do believe that SEAC-T is a, uh, a good product. Uh, it is certainly something people, you know, can feel safe and comfortable with and to look into. Yes. Um, I would not recommend it as a standalone product, for example, um, if you're a cancer patient. Okay. There are some other things that I would add, you know, add to that, and that's what we do at the foundation, and that's what we do at the clinic in San Diego, mm-hmm. is teach you how to add those things in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colloidal silver um, is a, a well-known, it's probably the most powerful antibacterial compound, natural antibacterial compound that you can take. Um, 
at 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 the clinic uh we recommend a form of colloidal silver called sovereign silver yeah that's what i carry at the store yes that it comes highly recommended yes um i know of dr becker's uh work and we obviously use things like pulse magnetic fields to uh help detoxify the body but we also use um you know at the clinic, we use more aggressive forms of that type of technology, but certainly if the effect is to improve your lymphatic drainage, uh, uh, Becker's pulse magnetic therapy uh, can, can help you do that. And getting active lymph drainage going is critical to detoxifying the body. So we also use things like far-infrared saunas at okay. the clinic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and a far infrared sauna combined with something like a pulse magnetic field, um, you know, can really help lymph activity. So the, the answer to the question is yes. Uh, the type of things that she's talking about are, are, are very, you know, beneficial and, yeah. and can certainly be safely and effectively, uh, used at home as, uh, methods to improve your health status. Um, well, we have but to run. If, you, if we... you've got an active chronic illness going on, it depends on what stage that you're at. <laughs> we got it. We got to run, Doctor Stowe, folks. We'll be right back. I can tell you that Doctor Stowe, um, and that is not a topic that we have to discuss today, but Doctor Stowe is very much uh, going to be working with uh, his advice even to the government about things that can be done so that this, his work is going to be more available to everybody, not just to a select few. So with your work and with your dollars and with your thoughts and prayers to support the Stowe Foundation, and if you go to his website, thestowefoundation.org, and read more about his work and contact him, if there is anything in your power to support his work financially, by all means, whatever it is, $10, $100, $50, whatever is in your power, everything will work and it will help the Stowe Foundation get the message out because it is not all about Dr. Stowe. He is working together with a lot of other great minds and great researchers in this field, but he is the founding member of Survive Until a Cure, which means that he is working with those who are of like mind. And the more we have people with his caliber and his knowledge and his titles and his research working together, the better it is going to be for the true health care in this nation, not sick care, but health care in this nation. And so your support is very much appreciated. And uh, we do have... A couple callers. We have a couple emails. So let's go to caller number one, who's been holding on doing the news. Caller, good morning. Your name, please, and how can we help you? Hi, Jacobus. This is Rita calling. How are you doing? Hello, Rita. Good morning to you. Good. Hey, listen, it's a great show. I really appreciate the good information. There's just two questions I actually have to address to Dr. Stowe. Um, Actually, phenomenal information. First of all, uh, I think a lot of people have some confusion about embryonic stem cells and how they're harvested and how they're used, and I uh, I think maybe the harvesting, and I think that uh, that's a good uh, for people to know how that works. And secondly, you touched a little bit about, uh, we're talking about the probiotics and the beta-glucane. If you have 
been on antibiotics, it makes very good sense, you know, that you get your gut back in order after, uh, and we all sometimes have to fall prey to antibiotics. But uh, I never heard this, but it's interesting that even pharmacists are telling you when you take your antibiotics that between that, be sure to take lots of probiotics. Mm. And so this is a really uh, eye-opening thing to take something else, and I wonder if you can address specifically what one should do if they have to be in a round of antibiotics in order to get that floral, uh, that gut floral position uh, good again. Okay, so that's it. And I'm going to get off and listen to your answer, okay? Thank you so much, Rita. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, I'd be happy to. uh, Let's start out with the concept of of stem cells. Mm -hmm. There are basically three forms of stem cells that are being studied in medical schools across the country. Uh, There is the embryonic stem cell. Now, what people need to understand is we were all formed from embryonic stem cells. Uh, Embryonic stem cells are the part of the embryo that once the embryo starts to create the human body, transforming itself into the human body, all the tissues in the body, all the organs in the body, all of the bones and muscle and everything in the human body comes from an embryonic stem cell. That's where the differentiation process starts. That's where the life process uh, starts to form the body is from embryonic stem cells. So an embryonic stem cell can become any other tissue in the body. That, that's why there has been such, and the medical science became enamored with embryonic stem cells because it quickly became apparent, well, my gosh, if we could control these things, we could grow new hearts, we could grow new livers, we could grow new lungs. You know, we could self-renew through the use of embryonic stem cells. Right. The controversy is the source of the stem cell. You can only get an embryonic stem cell from an embryo. And I happen to have the Christian belief that you are interfering with the sanctity of life because you have to destroy the embryo to harvest an embryonic stem cell. And initially on, the source of most embryos was actually from abortion clinics. I see. That's why embryonic stem cell research got uh, equated with uh, abortion. Mm -hmm. is because that was the source of the embryos. And, of course, I think anybody um, that has any type of of, uh, sympathy, uh, you know, for the sanctity of life argument would understand why every faith in the world is against embryonic stem cells. It's not just the Catholic Church, but the Islamic faiths are all against it as well. Yes. Because it interferes with the sanctity of life. And if you are a faith-based person, that's the controversy that you run into. Yeah. Here's the good news. When a baby is born, the umbilical cord blood contains what's known as umbilical cord blood stem cells that are just as powerful as an embryonic stem cell in generating new tissue. So if you can find a genetic match between the person that needs to have some tissue repair, for example, if your heart gets out and you can go find some umbilical cord blood that's a genetic match, 
that umbilical cord blood is going to be thrown away. It's a medical waste product. Mm. Now we do have umbilical cord blood banks, just like you can donate your blood to Carter Blood Centers. Okay. You can donate your baby's umbilical cord blood. There are three national cord blood banks that you can donate that blood. They will store it for the future utilization of the umbilical cord stem cells. Uh-huh. That is something that was set up by the Bush administration. And I would bet 99.99% of America does not know that. Mm. Does not know that what the Bush administration did to promote stem cell research. That because they everybody the wanted cord. to focus on embryonic stem cells. Right. So he, he actually, the, the administration promoted umbilical cord uh, stem cell research. Absolutely. Huh. And the third stem cell research that they promoted was adult stem cells. Every human being listening to this conversation has an adult stem cell in your bone marrow. Now, it's not as vibrant as an umbilical cord stem cell because when you get to be 50, 60 years old, even your stem cells are old. I mean, right. that's just progression of life. So they're not as young and as, a, as vibrant. But what you can do and this is what we have, have helped to pioneer at the Stowe Foundation, is you can go in, and this all comes from the oncology world. People are familiar that in oncology they now do what's called the bone marrow transplants. Right. What you do if you're a cancer patient is they'll go into your bone marrow, harvest some bone marrow, retrieve from that bone marrow stem cells, put it into cold storage. Mm-hmm. Then they'll put you through a massive dose of chemotherapy to try to get rid of all the cancer, I would take a different approach, but this is what conventional oncology does. The, the attempt, but they know that that massive dose of chemotherapy is going to wipe out the rest of your bone marrow. I see. And it's going to destroy your immune system. So after the massive dose of chemotherapy, you actually go into isolation until that they detected that they've you know, that the effects of the chemotherapy have done everything that it's going to do, then they give you back your bone marrow to regrow your immune system. Hmm. So all of these concepts have been known for 20 to 30 years. It's just how do you apply them? In what order do you apply them? I happen to think our order of application is more effective than what they're doing because there's other things you can do to support the immune system to attack the cancer cells. So yes. the, it's immune therapy versus chemotherapy. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But the role of stem cells is exactly the same, to strengthen and regrow the immune system. But the only thing that the stem cells do is regrow new tissue. Mm-hmm. So that's their sole role. Now, what we've been able to do is we go in, and, and it's not just the stem cells. It's the growth factors. It's the um, monocytes, it's the white blood cells, it's all of the lymphocytes, it's all of the things that give instructions to the stem cells that make the stem cells work. You find all of that in the bone marrow as well. So our, our approach to adult stem cell therapy is to harvest bone marrow, put it into an FDA-certified 
centrifuge that will spin that bone marrow aspirate into a bone marrow concentrate. That bone marrow concentrate will contain the adult stem cells, all the growth factors, all the cofactors, all the cytokines that it takes to allow the adult stem cells to generate, for example, new heart tissue. Mm. So if you put it directly into the heart, you'll start to get a repair of the heart. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't do any good to put those adult stem cells into a diseased heart. So you have to use comprehensive immune therapy to get rid of the disease process, Mm -hmm. to get rid of the chronic inflammation. Now you can go in and repair the heart, and the fix will be permanent. Now you can go in and grow new cartilage because you've gotten rid of the mycoplasma infection of pneumonia. So you've gotten rid of the chronic inflammation. And now you can do that, and you can accelerate the repair using cold lasers, using microcurrent technology, using magnetic therapy. You can speed up the process of the adult stem cells repairing the body by controlling the biologically active energy fields. So it's the sequence of events, but the stem cells are inside your body today. Every human being has adult stem cells in their bone marrow that can be used to repair the body. It's how the body repairs itself on a moment-to-moment basis. Stem cells are produced in the bone marrow, put into the blood. The blood circulates them to the tissue. But occasionally you have something like a heart attack, and there aren't enough stem cells. Yes. So the heart, without enough stem cells to undergo tissue repair, scars over, mm-hmm. and you have what's known as a lesion. Yes. And But if you go in with an, uh, an injection of bone marrow concentrate in, in which you then infuse that bone marrow concentrate with a genetically matched set of umbilical cord stem cells, yes. you can get some tremendous healing responses. And so what we say is, but you have to engineer the repair. You know, Dr. Stowe, I remember years ago um, when I, I, that's what I thought I understood from you, is that the the true embryonic stem cells are the cells that happen between day five and day nine after fertilization, which therefore for most mothers is not recognized yet because they don't even know they're pregnant yet. And so you said this would be a process that would be done in vitro, and then it would be, um, uh, you know, he said, then you have those stem cells, and then he said, you said the only uh, chemical part of it would be that you take those specific stem cells and multiply them in the, uh, in the laboratory so that you can use them. Is that, uh, was that misunderstanding on my part? Uh, no, no, that's, uh, that's, uh, and if you happen to get the embryo yes. from an in vitro fertilization clinic, okay, those embryos, after the family has established how many children that they're going to have and after there's been a successful pregnancy or two, yeah, uh, those embryos get thrown away. I don't and, understand. Well, you, you go into an in vitro fertilization clinic is where the eggs are harvested Yes. From the from the mother. Yes. And then they're exposed to the male's, uh, you know, sperm. And so the, the fertilization that creates the embryo occurs in the laboratory. Okay. And they'll grow X number of embryos from that process. Yeah. And then every so often they'll take some of those embryos 
and implant those into the female that wants to become pregnant. Yes. And they'll see if the life process will take off from the embryo. Yes. But the embryo has to be implanted into the uterus. Uterus. Uh huh. And then you see if it takes off. Yes. The the controversy out in California was the physician that implanted eight embryos into the mother. Correct. And she ended up with eight kids. Yes. Well, in order to end up with eight embryos, though, they probably created in the test tube 50. Wow. The other 42 get thrown away. Huh. Now, after... To me, that becomes a supply. And, and this is just the approach that the Obama administration, you know, came to that the embryos that are going to be thrown away from an in vitro fertilization clinic mm-hmm. are an ethical source of stem cells because the family can choose to donate those tissues just like the father the mother could choose to donate their heart, you know, if they yes. were in an accident. Yes. And so, but what you have to do is then harvest the... Uh, stem cells from the donated embryo. Right, but isn't it so that uh, between day five and day nine that cells are slowly developing and then at day nine or day ten of fertilization, after fertilization, that is something that we call an osteoblast where these cells eventually start dividing into and become tissue like nerve tissue, bone tissue, heart, brain, etc., and I thought that I thought that you mentioned once, and tell me if I'm wrong, that once they actually become a specific tissue, so that could be, let's say, two weeks, three weeks after fertilization, that once they have a specific task, that they become adult stem cells. Correct. That That's is correct. exactly correct. Okay, yeah. good. Because I, I, when you were still talking here about actual embryos that look like a human, that look like a baby, what they want to do experiments on. And, and I understand that that is really the embryonic stem cells are talking about, about aborted fetuses. But Correct. I thought that aborted fetuses have more adult stem cells in them than really embryonic stem cells. Correct. Or are the embryonic stem cells that you're talking about, do we have undifferentiated stem cells, like the day five to day nine, non-specific stem cells versus specific embryonic stem cells? Is that is a specific embryonic stem cell the same as an adult stem cell? Uh, you know, sometimes, they, you know, uh, a embryonic stem cells are often t- referred to as totopotent. Okay. They can become any tissue in the body. All right. Sometimes uh, progenitor cells uh, are referred to as pluripotent. Okay. That means they can become several different types of tissues, but not all types of tissues. Okay. And so stem cells now have a classification, uh, and, and then so that they'll, they'll go from being totipotent to being pluripotent to actually the next step is to become a progenitor cell, which means they become a specific cell. Okay. So like uh, an embryonic stem cell first becomes um, a progenitor cell, the progenitor cell becomes something like a chondrocyte. Let me back up. There is embryonic stem cells first become pluripotent. They start off as totipotent, 
then they differentiate into totipotent. Yes. There's about three versions of pluripotent stem cells. There are cells that become the musculoskeletal system, there are cells that become soft tissue, and then there are cells that become organs. Okay. And But you have multiple organs, you have multiple different types of muscles, you have multiple different types of, of uh, soft tissue. So those are what's known as pluripotent. The pluripotent cells become uh, ultimately a progenitor cell like a chondrocyte that can only become cartilage. Okay. Or they become a progenitor cell that becomes a myocyte that can only become a heart cell. Uh-huh. Or they become a hepatocyte that can only become a liver cell. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you start off with a totipotent embryonic stem cells that become uh, pluripotent embryonic stem cells that become progenitor cells that become the baby. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, you go ahead. But you've got that same progression of, ev- of events in the adult body, which starts off with the bone marrow producing a totipotent adult stem cell. Uh-huh. No, that becomes it. a pluripotent adult stem cell, like a hematopoietic stem cell that can become all parts of the blood. Right, which now becomes a progenitor cell again. Which becomes a progenitor cell, which becomes the tissue. All right, well, we have to leave it right here. We're going to be back just for another 25 minutes with Dr. Stowe. Call us, stay on hold. We will get to your call uh, before 10 o'clock. Keep it short, keep it sweet, but we will be back right after this. I did get a quick email from somebody who uh, Dr. Stowe says that, let me see here, she says something, the website for the stowefoundation.org does not point to a clinic or way to be in touch with someone providing therapies. Could you give that information again or get more information about the clinic from Dr. Stowe? And they said it was a wonderful show, and it was Alberta. It is under construction right now. Okay. And... You get uh, information. The quickest way is to send an email to info at the org. Okay. So just info at the org. Send out a quick email. Uh, you can also call the Stowe Foundation's uh, phone number, 817-236-2010. Okay. And then... Uh, somebody from the foundation will get back uh, in touch with you because we're undergoing a lot of uh, renovation at the clinic as well. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Um, we're in kind of that transition between uh, building the, you know, finishing and out the build out to turn it into a center for regenerative medicine and distributing the information that we can do uh, now. So the, the, the best way is to actually send an email to info at the org, or to uh, call the Stowe Foundation's uh, phone number. Okay, well, that is, uh, that's good. Thank you very much for that. I have an uh, email. We're going to go through a couple email callers. I know you've waited. Uh, we're going to get to the caller who has been on for about 10 minutes in just a moment, and then the other caller who just called in will get to you following. Uh, some questions for Dr. Stowe. With regards to diabetes, both type 2 as well as type 1, is Dr. Stowe aware of Dr. Gabrielle Cousins' methods of treating diabetics with raw foods? Using a diet approach in conjunction with Dr. Stowe therapies, 
to treat the cause of the problem as well as the symptomatic aspects. Uh, is this something that would be a collaborative effort to investigate? There's a real simple answer to that question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Gabrielle's techniques are addressing the P of the Pitt syndrome, the poor nutritional aspects. That's right. And in fact, we take that whole concept of using raw foods. Now, sometimes we still recommend steaming vegetables and things of that nature because a lot of times diabetics have compromised intestinal tracts, and raw foods can be a little hard to digest until you start to see some improvements. Okay. So we, we do, you know, slight alterations for that, but we also do uh, a lot of blood tests to determine what food sensitivities uh, that the patient might have. In other words, broccoli might be beneficial for a lot of people, but it could be a highly sensitive food for a diabetic. Okay. Um, everybody's genetic code predisposes them to have preferences for even certain types of food. So we do a, a blood test that can determine their food sensitivities, and then we match the raw food or the whole food diet to their sensitivities. So we, we take it even one step further. Okay, good point. The second question from this email is, is Dr. Stowe aware of Dr. Amit Patel using stem cell therapy to treat heart disease? Yeah, he recently moved from the University of Pittsburgh to the University of Utah, and he's using, uh, he in, actually injects the stem cells into the outer layers of the, of the heart tissue, and he's using hematopoietic adult stem cells captured from the bone marrow. Uh, I'll be, uh, at some point in time, I'm going to visit with Dr. Patel and see if I can't get him to switch over to using the bone marrow concentrate. So... We're, we're very familiar. He's been a pioneer uh, in the work of, uh, and uh, one of the things that we'll also visit about is that the fix tends to be temporary unless you get rid of the underlying heart disease process. The stem cells only grow some new heart tissue, and he's been very successful about helping people with chronic heart failure mm -hmm. that have very, very weak hearts. But you still, if it's going to become a permanent fix, have to get rid of the chronic inflammation that led to the chronic heart failure. Okay. And so Dr. Patel is a true pioneer. He's done some remarkable work. Uh, we have at the, at the level of the Stowe Foundation a Dr. Nabil Deeb, um, who's also a, a pioneering expert in, in adult stem cells. And we're going to hope at some point in time uh, to even sit down and support Dr. Patel's work uh, with some of the things that are evolving out of, the, out of the Stowe Foundation. The third question on this email is, we have a friend who has had multiple surgeries on her intestine to remove sections as treatment for Crohn's disease. Does Dr. Stowe know of anyone using stem cell therapy to treat the digestive system successfully? This was all questions by Dan. Uh, there are people looking into it. Uh, to my knowledge, um, oh, i got to think. The, the answer to the question is yes, and John Hopkins comes to mind. Johns Hopkins? 
yeah, John Hopkins comes to mind as people that are trying to. But there again, you need to focus on the Crohn's before you transplant the stem cells. That's right. That is a, that's a good point that you bring up. It is indeed about the, uh, first of all, healing. Uh, uh, before you reinsert it, make sure you are fighting the diseased uh, tissue. Because they're removing the colon because it's infected. I, I'm 100% convinced that Crohn's disease is caused by a viral infection. Huh. Or could it also be by an allergy to, for example, wheat or gluten? Oh, yes. That accelerates the process. Okay. All chronic illnesses uh, are the same thing. It all depends on what sets up the chronic inflammation. Yes. But every chronic illness is given a name once we know where the chronic inflammation is attacking. So if it attacks your pancreas, we call it pancreatitis. If it attacks your joints, we call it arthritis. If it attacks your cartilage in your joints, we call it osteoarthritis. If, we, if it attacks your heart, we call it pericarditis. Okay. And so all of these things are exactly the same thing, it, and they're all a combination of some type of infection triggering the inflammatory response of the immune system then being accelerated by the presence of toxins, whether those be food toxins like gluten for certain people or whether they're heavy metals like mercury, arsenic, lead, and cadmium. I see. Mm. But they're all exactly the same thing. It right. takes both. It takes the underlying pathogen to trigger the inflammatory response of the immune system that then becomes sustained by the free radical pathology generated by the toxins. So you have to do both. You have to get rid of the underlying infection. You have to get rid of the underlying toxin. Mm. Okay. I'm right and then you have to improve your nutritional status so that the body has the wrong ingredients <laughs> that are required to repair the body. You have to get rid of the stress factor so the immune system can actually operate, and you have to deal with the, the physical traumas, and a lot of times that's the best application of surgery. For example, sometimes it would be good for a growth patient to go in and get rid of the inflamed. He's not going to get better until you do that. Right, because it, the body is fighting so hard to fight an infection, it takes away from rebuilding all the tissue. Correct. And I so see. the surgical part is a good thing to do, but it's not the cure for Crohn's. That's if you're not right. doing the other things, you're just spitting in the wind. That's right, because then the infection will go somewhere else and, and uh, affect another part of your body. Correct. And then you have to deal with the emotional traumas of life because emotional trauma controls your endocrine system, and your endocrine system controls all your hormones and steroids. Yeah. So if you're not dealing with the emotional traumas of life, you're not dealing with stress, you're still not going to get better. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm saying it's system analysis. You have to do all of the above. But we have experts out there in dealing with emotional traumas. We have stress experts. We have nutritional experts. We have infectious disease specialists. We have environmental toxins experts. We have carcinogen experts. But they don't talk to each other. I was just going to say, the only problem is they won't talk to each other. They're all into their own little ego uh, thing. That's and correct. they all feel they all have the cure. The body is too complex with body, mind, and spirit to only tweet one thing. You have to look at the entire thing, and you have to understand the history of the individual. And you have to understand uh, what the individual has been exposed to in their life to, un to fully understand what, the, uh, what may be one of, one of the contributing causes or the, one of the triggering causes uh, of, of the disease. So what I do is I go out and recruit all of these experts. Yes, and make them research associates of the Stowe Foundation? Yes. Use the oldest thing in the world. I bribe them with money. 
<laughs> and, and, it makes, fold, and it makes you look good. Makes me look good. <laughs> but they're doing something that I'm interested in. But I want to make what they're doing part of a comprehensive protocol. Yeah, but you have you have done uh, you have spearheaded and researched yourself so much. I mean, that's why you, you and I are talking uh, because uh, there is no there is no surprise question for you. It seems like you know everybody. I have a third question for you, Dr. Stowe. Oh, no, another email for you. The last email before we go to our live callers. This is an email by Di. And she says, my doctor wants to remove my thyroid because my thyroid is full of nodules. Is this the only way to resolve this problem of having nodules in the thyroid? Thank you for your help. Uh, it would be the only way known to uh, conventional medicine. That is the standard of care because the, nobody has had the financial resources to test getting rid of things like ovarian cysts and cysts on the thyroid Yes. Uh, using comprehensive immune therapy. But by, but by and large, the way to, to do that would be to go see somebody, go see a holistic physician that's in tune with uh, bioidentical human hormones and get on a good uh, uh, hormone therapy program. Because often a thyroid problem starts with an estrogen imbalance. Or Correct. Estrogen progesterone imbalance. Okay, good point. So, uh, Di, I hope that gives you enough answer to do a little bit more research on uh, the imbalance in your in, in other hormones. And, and don't forget, uh, and, now, and, and let me ask you then, uh, Dr. Stowe, because the parathyroid is so close to the uh, to the thyroid, uh, just behind it, is it possible that these nodules nodules are actually related to the parathyroid? Uh, yes, it's possible. But they even if they're not, they could be putting pressure on the parathyroid. So you're also getting imbalances in in the parathyroid just from the pressure that's being exerted by the nodule. Which are then, of course, could uh, call, could uh, affect uh, 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 healthy bones because of the absorption of calcium in the bones uh, osteo for osteoporosis. Correct, and it, and the nodules could be also interfering with the receipt from the um, uh, uh, the thyroid gland is is regulated by the. Uh, pituitary, pituitary. yes, and the nodules could be interfering with the thyroid receiving the pituitary signals. Aha, the TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone. Right, and along with human growth hormone. Correct. And so, looking at uh, uh, things that would boost up, uh, you call them adaptogenic herbs. So, seeing and. Uh, you know, somebody who understands adaptogenic herbs, mm -hmm. which make the different systems of the endocrine uh, work better. But probably the best thing in the world is going to be get on a real strong detoxification program. Okay. Using what's known as clathrating agents. Can you spell that, please? Yeah. C-L-A-T-H-R-A-T-I-N-G. Clathrating agents. Okay. And that's uh, things like the most natural form of cathlating agent is humic and uh, fulvic. Oh, the fulvic uh, acid. Yes. Oh, wow. And you probably carry that at your store. Uh, actually, I don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you need to. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to get uh, um, 
some of these functional food beverages. Okay. Um, you know that 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 have like the acai in it. Yeah, uh, we have all those. Okay. Uh, then what you can, and acai you can and do is combine those with um, some fulvic acid, and you'll get a real strong clathrating agent. The other company that uh, produces some sublingual sprays that are clathrating agents is a place called Maxim. M A X A M. M A X A M. M A X A M. Maxim uh, Laboratories. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah, if you. Yeah. And, right. and you can find some really powerful uh, clathrating agents uh, in those. And if you combine clathrating agents with the, the fulvic acid, you'll get a deep tissue detoxification. And those cysts and nodules are mainly uh, fatty tissue sequestering away toxins. Right, okay. Well, Di, and so she's probably got some, uh, when it involves the thyroid, you're probably talking about uh, chlorine and fluorine toxicity wow. because it's interfering with the iodine. I see. Uh-huh. Iodine is a halogen compound, and fluorine and chlorine uh, are the uh, base of most neurotoxins. That's right. And so you got to get rid of the chlorine and the fluorine compounds that have built up in the body that are generating the the free radicals. Okay. And, you know, that, that so that's how you get rid of, uh, of nodules is you detoxify the body and you get your hormones back in balance because the estrogen is a type of hormone that promotes rapid cell division. Yeah, but I understand, uh, you know, we keep calling it estrogen dominance, and I told somebody else, I said, what we should be calling it is progesterone deficiency. Correct. If we would have done that right from the get-go, I don't think we would have had as and many problems. And it's also in women testosterone deficiency. Okay, okay. You know, and in men, it's aging, because you become estrogen dominant, because we don't, our fat cells produce a lot of estrogen, but fat cells don't produce testosterone. That's true. So being overweight is a major contributor to all of this because the more fat cells that you have, the more estrogen you produce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's not balanced by progesterone, by testosterone. And so you absolutely have to supplement with bioidentical human hormones. Yeah. Otherwise, your entire endocrine system is going to be out of balance. Yes. And when you throw in some things like emotional traumas, which send neurotransmitters to the hypothalamus, which sends signals over to the pituitary. The pituitary is going to rev up your thyroid, your adrenal glands, and your ovaries to gear up for the fight because you're now in an anxiety state. You're going to produce all the wrong hormones (laughs) Mm. and all the wrong steroids. Yes. And so uh, you have to balance. You have to counteract that or you have an a body that has lost its ability to repair itself. You have weakened the immune system. Yeah. And then you get things like cysts growing on your thyroid or cysts growing on your ovaries mm. or growing on your pituitary. Yeah. But we have specialists in those. So the even just seeing an endocrinologist isn't going to do you any good because he's going to send you to the endocrinologist who understands the thyroid. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, I know that minutes are taken away, and we have a couple of callers on hold. Let's uh, get to our callers. Caller number one. Uh, your name, please. How can we help you? Yeah, this is Steve. Steve. Hi, Steve. How are you doing, Jacobus? Doing well, thank you. Uh, my question is this. In uh, bioimmune studies, what they found is that the natural killer cells, we should have about a count of about 150, and a lot of people today are down to the 10s and 20s. If you drop below 10, supposedly you have cancer. And I was wondering if the uh, uh, vaccinations, seems like the natural killer cells are there, but they kind of have Alzheimer's and they don't do their job. Does vaccinations, in your opinion, put those to sleep? Or, or what is the problem there? You know, uh, you know. well, the problem is the vaccines only work if you've got a healthy immune system to begin with. And if you've got a healthy immune system to begin with, you don't really need the vaccine. Yeah, but a lot of children get vaccines uh, within uh, within three weeks that they're after being born. There's nobody they get them right them. out of the birth canal. You get the hepatitis B, <laughs> hepatitis B vaccine. Yes. Here, here's what's happening. Um, I'll give you my personal opinion on vaccines. Um, and I, someday the Stowe Foundation is going to launch a major study on this, but there's only so much money to go around. I happen to be of the opinion that uh, vaccines, we know in adults, vaccines induce inflammation. That's why you get the achy joints, you get the low-grade fever. So we know that vaccines are, are inducing a small amount of inflammation. Mm-hmm. That's a very dangerous thing to do to a child. Because the fetal brain develops from birth until the age of six, and it's undergoing rapid development from birth until age three, introducing even a small amount of inflammation into the child's body has the potential to create brain damage. So I and I think we got off to, onto the wrong foot when we decided to study the mercury content of vaccines. Mm-hmm because it's the inflammatory response of the immune system that's the danger, and that's never been studied. And I think if you get a, a small amount of, of brain damage, you, you have an ADD kid. If you get a large amount, you get Asperger's, and if you have an even larger amount, you get autistic children. Wow. And I think that is... Uh, I, I, and that's an unstudied, and that's just a hypothesis on my part. But I think if we would really look at the immune system and how the inflammatory response occurs in response to a vaccine, people would have to say, you know what, Dr. Stowe, you may have a point. Maybe we ought to study that. Nobody has ever studied a childhood vaccine. Well, it's not just about a childhood vaccine, but if you look at this whole issue with swine flu, the CDC says we have a vaccine ready within six, seven weeks. I mean, there is no studies done on it unless they've produced it a long time ago and are finally ready to release it. Uh, you, you cannot just uh, uh, let everybody get vaccinated on something that hasn't even been properly studied. If they demand studies from any, everything else, like from your clinic, for example, yeah. how can they come out with a vaccine in six, seven weeks? They, they never study any vaccines they because... Don't. The- the, the vaccine is only as effective as they've been able to mimic the virus that's going to be the problem. Huh. But if they don't mimic the virus very well, it doesn't do any good to take it. 
Yes, that's true. This past year was a classic example of that. Even the CDC came out and said the vaccine's only effective in about 60% of the people, 40% of the people that were giving it. If yes. 60% of the people getting it, it wasn't effective at all because it didn't match the f- <laughs> strain of flu that was coming through the country. Yeah. We have sadly enough come to the end of the program, Dr. Stowe. Uh, there was a caller who wanted to get in. Caller, if you're still listening to the program, which we hope you do, by all means, send an email to info at thestowefoundation.org. Info at thestowefoundation.org. Tell them that you listen to my show that you couldn't get your question in. And I know that Dr. Stowe will do his best to answer your call uh, or your email ASAP. Is that possible, Dr. Stowe? Oh, absolutely. Okay, we'll do that, and we'll give everybody else the chance to do that. Please also check out his website and see what you can have available for a great organization like the Stowe Foundation to support his work. Dr. Stowe, all the best to you. Thank you so much for being here. We're looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye, folks. See you next week. See you in two weeks.